to the Bean Ninjas podcast, where you get an all-access pass to see what happens behind the closed doors of a fast-growing global bookkeeping and financial reporting business. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Bean Ninjas podcast. And today we're talking with Paul Thompson, who is an online course expert. Welcome, Paul. Thank you so much for having me, Meryl. It's awesome to be here. So let's start with what does it mean to be an online course creator and an online course expert? That's a great question. I guess uh, the definition would be someone who creates an information product that teaches their audience or students information or knowledge and sells that online. We've seen a model kind of coming out over the last few years whereby people take skills or knowledge that they have or proven systems, you know, if we're talking from a business point of view, and they package that up into a course where people can buy their way into that and learn from the course creators. And how did you get into that? So what was your background before coming into this? Yeah, it's a pretty fun story. I used to be a teacher way back in the day and I taught in high schools and came across this opportunity to join a tech startup remotely. And so I left teaching and went and joined this startup and I got myself into a tech support role. So it was halfway in between engineering and halfway in between the customer support team. And I learned so much about the tech side, engineering parts. So that was like my nerdy brain. And the company was in the social media marketing space. So I learned a ton about social media marketing. And then uh, fast forward to these recent years, I found that there were all of these solo entrepreneurs, you know, business owners who are creating these companies and businesses, either like consulting for people, coaching people and delivering their kind of value online. And they were diversifying into these products, these online courses. And I found that it was a perfect mix between my education, my tech side of my brain, and then obviously the social media marketing side of how to kind of launch the course. And I came across this culmination and I realized that, wow, people just needed a lot of help trying to frame their ideas and get it out there and sell it. And that's how I kind of found my niche. And I've been there ever since. Sounds like the perfect fit for you. And I have to ask, what did you used to teach when you were a high school teacher? I taught drama and music, nothing to do with technology or business. And it's so fascinating. Yeah, so drama and music were my two subject areas and I was uh, head of the arts. So I looked after all the arts teachers and music and drama. So I guess that's kind of like where I get my charisma, creative side from. And it's just, yeah, interesting now that it's like a blend of that plus all of the tech and business aspects. And so when you're helping these other coaches or consultants or people who are subject matter, subject matter experts turn that knowledge into an online course, what are your tips or how do you get started in helping them? Yeah, that's a good question. And this goes for everyone, you know, because I also work with agencies and businesses, even like brick and mortar businesses. And it's the same message for everyone. First, you know, you have to really hone in on who you're targeting, you know, who your ideal client is or your audience is that you're trying to serve and what problem or issue are you trying to help them overcome? The worst thing you can do with an online course is too vague. You know, you want to be general. I'm going to go for build a course that's going to help all these people and help them with all these problems. And that's just not going to be effective as an education means. And it's not going to be effective in selling either. So working out exactly, yeah, who it is you're trying to teach, what you're trying to help them with, and being able to articulate that in a really clear way, like in a sequential order, that's kind of like the where you get started with the framework and the outline. So that really resonates with me. The listeners of the podcast will know 
that I've been recording a challenge with my business partner where we've both had to launch products really quickly. And my product was a course. So I've actually just come into trying to do this for myself. So it's perfect that you're on the podcast, actually. The thing that you talked about, trying to go too broad and not solve a specific problem for a specific group of people, was actually the first mistake that I made that I've shared a little bit about where I was creating an accounting course and it was too broad. And then as I tried to sell it, I realized that e-commerce sellers actually need to know there's some different things they need to know about accounting compared to someone that's running a service business. So I Mm. think that's a great point. So once you've figured out what problem you're solving or what you're going to be teaching and how that will help someone, what would you do next? So then I work out what steps someone would need to take to get them from their current state to their desired situation. So when you're building the course, like we've just touched on, there's, there's obviously a problem. And so we've got to kind of come do some research and work out where they are, you know, what state they're in currently. And then through our research and our course, we know what the solution is. And so we work out what are the steps that they would need to take to get from point A to point B. Now, those steps just become your lessons. Generally, that's the outline of your course. If you put them in sequential order and make them incremental, you know, chronological, they kind of work up a ladder system. That is fundamentally the core of what we see in education. You know, we see that in evolution everywhere. You know, the kid goes from like on the ground to crawling to walking. So we follow that same system in the courses. What steps we laid out in order, and then I would start mapping out the framework. So those steps become the lessons, and then you just put it some dot points, you know, what kind of topics do you need to hit in each of those lessons? What points are important? And if you kind of always frame it in that way, you never get sidetracked. You never get lost. You never get like, oh, I should put this in. I need to add this extra value or maybe they'll find this useful. It's just a really logical, systematic process to be able to map out that course. And it takes a lot of that overwhelm because I feel a lot, actually, people message me and even clients before they, or before their clients, they come to me and they just have this giant wall of like, how am I going to do this course? Like I, there is so much to put in here. And when you kind of reframe it back down, it's actually quite simple. So that's what I'd be doing. I'd just be mapping out a plan or a framework. And that also helps too for validating your course and making sure that you're on the right track. And so you map out that framework which identifies the things that you're going to be teaching. And then how do you to work out what the right communication means is to teach your audience? So I know that was something that I found difficult. Do I do a PowerPoint presentation or a video or a demo or how should I actually present it? Yeah. Again, like these are such good questions because there's so many people come up with the exact same hurdles. So there are seven different learning styles out there. Please don't ask me what they are. <laughs> but um, the three main ones that you can and should be including in your lessons really kind of cover the basis for the general breadth and width of learner styles. So they are visual learners, verbal learners, and kinesthetic or doing learners. And so if you put a mode, a modality of each of those learning styles in your course, in your lessons, you kind of appeal to generally every type of learner. And to give you like a quick analogy, you know, the visual learners need to see the things. They need to see you talking. They need to see diagrams. They need to see text. They need to see, you know, screen flows. They really need to visualize what's happening for them to kind of soak in that learning. Whereas verbal learners, I mean, they could probably put your video on the computer, whack in their headphones, and they would walk away. They learn great like on audio and podcasts, and they would listen. They would retain that information. And then lastly, the kinesthetic learners, 
they're the ones that really need to do something to put into practice what they have absorbed so that it becomes great. You know, they kind of learn it. So if you put those three styles in, then you're really going to have a pretty engaging lesson. And it's not like that might sound overwhelming, but it's actually just quite as simple as looking at the camera, you know, filming you in front of the camera and then overlaying some slides over your lessons. So any key dot points, any quotes, any bullet points, maybe some images, things like that, just overlay them later on after you've finished the recording of you talking to the camera. And then uh, lastly, make sure that every lesson has an actionable item. There has to be something that you make your students go and do to put into practice what they have been learned. All right. So I'm in the next phase of creating a course now. So I've done the framework. I've gone in and I've done some recordings with some visuals and I've also created some activities so that I can cater to those learners that need to be doing something. What would I do next? So you up to the part of selling the course is that you've packaged everything up, you've recorded all the content and all the assets. Yeah, I suppose I've recorded them, but I haven't necessarily worked out where they're going to go. So I've recorded Uh, the content, but I haven't figured out, should I use a Facebook group? There's online course platforms. There seems like there's a whole lot of options. So I suppose that might be the next step, or maybe it's not. I get what you're asking now. So, you know, some of the easiest ways to move forward here are using a tool or a piece of software that already has all of like the course hosting aspects built into it. So predominantly for my clients, I send them to Thinkific and it is a course hosting platform where you upload your videos and your lessons and you can create a sales page or a landing page and kind of walks your students through an enrollment process and then they can access your course and the videos and all the content in there. So Thinkific is one of them. Teachable is another service that is very similar. There's another one called Kajabi. So those are probably the three main ones where people go and use a piece of software to host their online course. You mentioned Facebook groups, which over the last probably two years ago was a really great method of delivering a course. You know, people would jump into a private group. You could post your videos in there each week and ask some questions and things like that. But now we're seeing that you know, you're competing with the timeline. And if you do that, some of your students aren't seeing the posts and, you know, kind of gets lost in the Facebook feed. And so while it's still a kind of a lean, cheap or free method of delivering the course, it might not uh, be the best experience for students. And then if you have some really tech savvy developers who love building their websites and just really keen for that kind of thing, you can use some plugins on your very own WordPress site. LearnDash is a plugin that we use when we custom build websites and courses. And that's a similar process. You kind of add, say, infrastructure on the back of your website where you can host your lessons and modules and it makes it like a you know, walkthrough a process. They complete a lesson, they go to the next lesson, you can drip out the content. So that's kind of what you're looking for in any of those options. You're looking for somewhere that you can put your content up that is going to allow someone to buy your course give them access and then drip out or deliver the content at whatever rate that you like over a period of time. So they can watch the video, they can read the notes, they can download the workbooks and they can yeah, kind of take themselves through your online course. So if I was trying to decide between something like Thinkific and LearnDash, it sounds mm-hmm. like Thinkific is a standalone platform. So they would take care of a lot of the back end, and I would come in and upload my content and then use the system that they've built. Whereas LearnDash is something that I would run through WordPress. So would that mean I'd be responsible for updates and kind of taking care of the tech side? And 
So you can answer that, but then let me know, how would you decide between the two? Yeah, absolutely. Thinkific is by far the simplest, quickest, low-hanging fruit there. It's a very professional platform. It looks great. It's really easy to use. And you can make it look a lot like your brand. You know, you can customize it as much as you like. So that would be my default for almost all situations other than a very, very high-end need to do a custom build. Then um, on LearnDash, you have to update your website. You have to fix links that are broken. You have to change how your website looks and make sure your theme works with LearnDash. And there's actually a development aspect that goes into that. You know? And if you don't know or understand those aspects, then you're going to have to find someone who does, which can be quite costly, You know, getting a developer to come in and build that course out for you. So that's where, again, LearnDash, where Thinkific is probably even a little bit more cost-effective because you're able to rely on their system, their tools, their software to deliver the course. All right. So now we've worked out what software we're using and the content's created and that's all loaded. And I suppose it's time to start selling it and making money from the course. So what are your thoughts around the best way to approach that? The best way to approach it is by basically, again, we knew who our ideal audience was. We knew what their problem was. And we've assumed right, that we've already validated the need for the course before we've built it. So what I mean there is, you know, in talking or researching with the customers, we've built up a publicity or some promotional activity around the course coming. And we're saying like, we're building a course on X topic. You know, are you interested in this kind of thing? Did you want to know when we are going to release it? And we're picking up all these signals. We're promoting it. We're talking about it. So we've got a list of people already before we've even built the course. Once the course is built, there's two options. You can go through a traditional launch sequence, which is, you know, putting out a bunch of emails and posts and promoting it and having a early bird discount, you know, period. Like, hey, jump in. This is the, we're just launching now. This is the early special. You know, it's like the opening doors weekend special of like the business of the cafe, right? So we got to discount it a little bit to bring some people in and then it moves to the full price. So that's one method. The other method is to have what I call a beta launch. And we've seen this to be really effective in a lot of our clients in really kind of allowing us to validate the course and bring in some good numbers. So what we do is we essentially say you want to sell the course for $200. What you would do with the beta launch is you would announce, you know, create some hype, announce that you're launching this course. And when it launches, it's going to be $500. And uh, you are inviting a small group of people and people in to trial your course for a fraction of the cost to give you feedback on the lessons and the modules and look for improvements and also to give some testimonials once they finish the course. And we found that that's a pretty good driver because people like getting a discount. They're like, oh yeah, well, this is really cool. I get it for a fraction of the cost. And they understand that there's a transactional value so that they don't believe that it's just a, oh, I'm getting a discount here. There's like, oh, I'm actually needed here. This is my expertise. They're calling me to help with the course. And that's like a psychologically kind of drives those sales a little bit more. And so for anyone who's a little bit nervous about selling their course and finally taking it to market, we found that that's a pretty good kind of method of getting people pretty much guaranteed to come in and do your course and getting some sales in the door. And it's a really big boost of confidence for clients when they do that. And so then what we do with the testimonials is we gather them after people have done the course and we relaunch it. We do a proper launch sequence and now we have testimonials. We have had paying customers. We've had feedback. We know what they liked about it. So we can talk about that on the sales page. We can share their journey or their results. And that just drives or feeds the marketing launch engine from then on out. I really like the way that you described that. So instead of the way that I had talked through the process was building the course fully and then trying to sell it. But in reality, probably trying to apply something like 
startup method or lean startup methodology, it's actually much better to test it first to make sure that you're solving the right problem before going to build the whole thing. And mm. using the beta launch, that's actually what we did. I made the mistake of trying to create a course that was too awesome that didn't get finished in 2018. And to make me feel comfortable with not launching something that wasn't perfect. That's how I launched the accounting course a couple of weeks ago, was calling it a beta version so that I felt okay if the slides weren't formatted perfectly or there was a glitch in the way that I'd said something. It's significantly discounted and it's a beta launch and the participants know they're there to help with feedback. So it sounds like we're on the right track. I did that to kind of relieve pressure on myself to just get this course done to people that were paying for it. So it's nice to hear that you described that approach as well. Sounds like we were not too far off the right track there. My next question is, assuming that that beta launch does go well, how would you then transition from there to then doing your full launch? So after the beta launch has closed or has ended and you've got enough people in, I would lock off access to the course. So I would put a change the buy now buttons to join the wait list. And so what I would be doing is you've hyped up this uh, beta launch to all of your list and you've got people to talk about it and share about it. You've got your 10 people paid and you know whatever your minimum is. They're in your beta launch. As soon as that is, I would close off the doors and I would say join the wait list to hear when this course opens again. And so then what I would do is I would spend your time fixing up the course, like getting people through it, doing all the adjustments that you need to. And then I would start doing like the waitlist launch. So I would announce to anyone who is on the waitlist or anyone who wants to join the waitlist, if you purchase the course when it comes out, you will get these exclusive bonuses and this exclusive price. And that is only for people on the waitlist. If you do not join the waitlist, then you won't get access to the bonuses or this discounted price. And so what that does, again, that just drives people to give you signals and to kind of validate the need for your course. So then you're building up that list again and you just go through a really simple sequence of reminding people subliminally through marketing, reminding them of their current situation, which you know is usually quite painful for people in whatever world it is, whether it's a money world, whether it's like a business clients problem, whatever it is, remind them of the problem that they're in through stories, through all the juicy marketing tactics that you can. And kind of slowly build, paint that picture and then move them to a period where they can see the light. You know, they see that, oh, there is another situation here. There is another opportunity or this solution. That's exactly what I need. And once they've kind of turned their thoughts from, I'll never get out of this situation to, oh, that's exactly what I need. That's when you introduce your course as that solution. And so when you position it like that, they're on the wait list. They're going to get these discounts. They're going to get these bonuses. And then you've just told them, you know, where they are currently at, where they can be, and then you're giving them the opportunity or the vehicle to kind of get there, that's when you get a really kind of healthy, profitable launch. And you back that up with the testimonials of the people that have already been in there, with the results that people have gotten out of it, with their stories, and you can kind of really accelerate the growth of that course. Once that's all humming along and you've been doing that for a few times and you're pulling people in and you've got your funnels set up, maybe you do a webinar or some kind of video or something like that to drive some traffic, uh, you can look at really, really accelerating. Once you've got a really good proof of concept and you know that people are wanting to buy it and it's selling really great and pricing's good, uh, then you can move into an affiliates sales kind of model whereby you give people the opportunity to earn money or earn a referral fee for selling your course for you. And you see that just kind of spreads you into networks that your network can't get to at the moment. And yeah, that's the accelerant to really kind of get to those big numbers. With something like 
paying affiliate fees. Is there a standard percentage that you would pay in an industry like this? Or is it something that you would just negotiate with each affiliate? Yeah, so it's always a standard. You know, generally, it's seen to be probably around 50% for the core sales to if it's a cold affiliate market. And I've seen it as low as 30, I think it was 35% was as low as I've seen it. So if you generally stick to around that 40 to 50% of your core sale to go to the affiliate, that's pretty standard in the world of affiliate marketing for online courses. And with these courses, is it traditionally almost like a DIY learner approach where they wouldn't be having coaching calls? It's more of a, they would log into the course and work through the content at their own pace. Yeah. So there's three different levels. You know, there is, I'll show you how to do something. So a course is you just showing someone how to do something. You show them the solution and you show them how to do it. Then there is the model that's like the done with you model. So I will kind of guide you through it. I'll give you some video, some coaching calls or some handholding, maybe some consulting or auditing, something like that. And that is usually sold as a VIP package and upgrade upon the checkout. So they've gone through the course. They know what they want to buy in the course. Uh, they want to do in the course. You know, they come to learn. And then you say, look, you know, you can do this all on your own. You'll get all these amazing results. And you also have the opportunity, if you wanted to, to pay, you know, this price, which is usually three times the price of what the course is, to jump on a call with me and a few of our VIP members each week to run through the questions you have. Like I'll coach you, answer your questions, deep dive into the course, get access to me. Because that's probably what they're paying for. You know, they're paying for access to the expert where they can't afford your, you know, high tier offers or products. They still want access to you. And this is the closest that they'll be able to get. So that's why the coaching model in that VIP section of the course works really well. And it's just an upgrade. It's just a, an upsell opportunity, a bonus that you offer with the course. Yeah, that makes sense. And I was asking that, that was the accountant in me picturing if I was paying an affiliate fee of 50% and I had labor cost for the to actually do calls. And I say, hang on, there's not that much profit left. But that makes sense if you're charging a VIP price or if you're going to be doing any live coaching or calls. So Mm. that makes sense now. Yeah, for sure. So there's two different pricing tiers in there. And do you have any tips for someone that has now gone from, they've created their first online course, they've found the right price point, they've found their market in terms of the people that that course adds value to to grow that into a business where that could be their income. So they wouldn't need to have another job, but that could be Mm. their sole income. Yeah. So again, it's just the working backwards model. It's what are you making now? What do you need to make to replace that revenue? And then building out a stack of online courses. So just one online course or program isn't going to be enough to sustain you as a full-time course creator. You need to have a suite of offers. You need to have a number of different courses in your niche, in your market that are going to help your ideal client where they can buy one and then you'll find that they'll like buy the next one or they'll buy the high tier version. Sometimes people do a bit of a sequential order, right? They'll just do like an introductory course and they'll do an intermediate course and an advanced course. And then the idea is that people step up through those modules or those kind of tiers as they go through, because it's much, much easier to sell to your current customers than it is to sell to new customers. You know, it's much cheaper as well. So with that in mind, creating a system whereby you are upselling and cross-selling into your other products and offers and kind of raising that lifetime value 
of your customer or your student is where you get to a system that can sustain or support you on a full-time income. Because once you've actually developed the course content, you know, you're basically doing two things during your day. You are researching, doing customer research and, you know, working out what your ideal client wants and needs and kind of talking, listening and investigating, studying, and you're doing marketing. You know, you've got a platform or you've got a system whereby you are spreading your message. You are sharing your value and your message with new audiences. And that's pretty much what you need to be doing to sustain that system. And what would be some examples from your own courses? What kind of things do you help people with? I know we touched on it a little bit at the start where you're helping other experts or agencies to create a course, but what would be some examples of your own programs in case some of our listeners were interested in working with you? Yeah. So the programs that I've built at the moment are all for the business coaching niche. So I have like courses that were developed for my partner and I've built those out. The only way to kind of work with me isn't through courses at the moment. So I'm only doing consulting and coaching at the moment in one side. So I'll kind of help you build your course. And I have a, an agency that runs along in a separate arm of the business where we kind of build out courses for our bigger clients um, that kind of just want an experience where they can come in, tell us their, their idea, what they want to do. And then we do the rest. So we've got a team of developers and designers and copywriters and the tech team there. And we build out that product, that asset for them and deliver it back to them. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Paul. Did you have any final comments that you wanted to make before we wrap up? Yeah, I'd say if you are thinking about doing an online course, just do the validating first. You know, don't get caught into the trap of building out the course or spending money to build it or time, resources, energy without knowing that people will buy it first. I think that's probably a pitfall that a lot of first-time or early course creators get into. And just make sure that when you validate it, deliver on the product, you know, make sure that that first course is really great because that's going to be what you use to leverage, you know, those people into your next course and are going to use as testimonials. So don't cut corners, enjoy the process and jump onto the bandwagon because it's a super fast growing industry at the moment. And a lot of people are making a lot of great money and getting a lot of time freedom back and location freedom. So it's a good time to jump in on it. And lastly, where can people get in touch with you? So all over the internet, if you type in the Paul Thompson, so T-H-E, Paul, T-H-O-M-S-O-N. If you type in the Paul Thompson on Instagram, Facebook, Google, you'll see my website and all of my handles pop up and you'll be able to find me there. As much as I have on my plate, I still answer all of my messages and DMs. It's my one little thing that I want to hold on to as my business scales. I still like talking one-on-one with people. So if anyone has any questions at all, Honestly, just reach out and ask them. I'm happy to point you in the right direction and give you some tips that'll kind of help you build that course out and maybe kind of save you some missteps along the way. Thanks so much. It's been amazing. And I know I'm definitely going to be applying some of these tips as well. So thanks again, Paul. No worries. Thank you so much for having me. By the way, if you're a coach or consultant, we've published an in-depth guide to help you improve your financial health and cash flow this year. Check it out for free at beingninjas.com forward slash coaches. That's B-E-A-N-N-I-N-J-A-S dot com forward slash coaches.